Welcome to the Birth Uprising Podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah, a chiropractor, birth educator, and lifelong questioner of nonsensical rules and authority. I'm here to help you navigate the maze that is maternity care and to think more critically about what you've been told is necessary and normal during pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. We as women are tired of being coerced, lied to, and manipulated. And through education, we're taking back our power. So grab a cup of coffee and join the uprising. All right, welcome back to the Birth Uprising podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah. Emily is here today. And we also have a special guest, Dr. Leah Gordon. She is a licensed naturopathic and functional medicine doctor and fertility consultant. She has so many things to talk to us about today. (laughs) She also helped with the formulation of all the products for the company needed that uh, Emily and I both love. So we're going to talk about all the things. So Leah, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your background, your schooling, and what type of uh, patients you work with today? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to share about all the fun things that we're talking about. So yeah, I'm a naturopathic doctor and I specialize in hormone balancing and fertility. So I work with women from helping them break up with birth control to balance their hormones, prepare for pregnancy and support their fertility journey, whether they are trying to conceive naturally or are dealing with infertility. I love to support women who need to go down the IVF route and doing so as optimally as naturally as possible, because that's the route I had to go down to have a baby because of my husband's fertility issues. And I'm just really passionate about supporting women and giving them the resources and guidance that they're not getting from their regular doctors and our broken kind of culture system at large. So I'm really stoked to be here. And yeah, my background and my education as a naturopathic doctor, we are trained to understand how to look at the body with a different lens and perspective. We understand that everything's interconnected and we're really big on finding the root cause of imbalance. And one of the biggest factors that we work on is the body is inherently wise and able to heal. And if it's imbalanced for some reason, whether you're having infertility or you're having hormonal issues, the body's either lacking in something that it needs, like nutrients or love or, um, you know, proper movement and sleep, those kind of things. Or there's a blockage getting in the way, like toxins or stress or a chronic infection or mold or something like that. So finding the root cause and helping the body kind of come back to its natural self. And then also we have a lot of amazing tools that we learn as naturopathic doctors. You know, I'm a physician, so I can prescribe pharmaceuticals, but I rarely do. Typically, we're using herbs and nutrients and diet and lifestyle and different practices, nutraceuticals. Um, We don't do as much with physical medicine like as chiropractors do, but we learn some. And so, yeah, it's an amazing collection of tools and practices that we have to really help people heal. That is awesome. Yeah, I love all of it. When I went, when I was deciding what I would do next for school, um, becoming an ND was on the top of my list. And I decided to go to school to be a chiropractor for a couple of reasons. But we think Mm -hmm. along the same lines. We do a lot of the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we often, the two professions work hand in hand together. And like you said, they think 
a lot differently than the Western medical model that breaks everything up. Mm -hmm. Like your liver's its own thing mm -hmm. or, you know, wh whatever your issue is, everything works together and both professions kind of understand that. And yes. so um, I'm sure that your patients are very grateful <laughs> to find someone like you because it's, they're not finding that with their regular doctors. Yeah. And I, and I love chiropractic and I refer and, and communicate and, and work with chiropractors in all sorts of capacities. And I personally love uh, seeing chiropractors myself. So there's so many amazing tools that we have out in the world. And I wish it was more mainstream and that it was, you know, in everybody's life. Yeah. Well, for sure. I have spent the last, I mean, I actually haven't been to a naturopath out here since I moved to Texas. But in, in when I lived in LA, that was my life just healing, you know, being on prescription meds for a long time. And um, it was phenomenal. Like I learned so much about my body and literally, like you said, like the innate wisdom in the body's ability to heal. My naturopathic doctor in LA is like my favorite human alive. Um, <laughs> and uh, she seriously like saved my life. It's amazing. Because I had such a like, yeah. And I felt good before seeing her and my husband and I started seeing her because we knew we wanted to start a family eventually we're like let's get checked out mm -hmm. and um and then I had really gnarly postpartum hypothyroid parasite shit storm and oh, she seriously saved yeah. my life oh my I was in such a dark place because I'm always healthy and feeling good and positive and I was just like it was insane fatigue, brain fog. Like I didn't even really realize what was going on. So yeah, I'm, I am such a huge advocate for what you do because then you don't have to rely on something outside of your body once you know yeah. the tools. Mm -hmm. It's so awesome. Oh, I love that. I would love to get the name of your naturopathic doctor too, by the way. Dr. Thorcor G. Okay, great. Awesome. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell us, Leo, how did you decide on this path for yourself for schooling and then as your profession what brought you into that <laughs> you'll love this so when I was in seventh grade I started working at a chiropractor's office but the chiropractor's office was a different kind of chiropractic they did something called CBP chiropractic clinical biomechanics of posture so they would do traction therapy and all sorts of different things to help kind of reshape the the spinal curvature that had been you know lacking from either accidents or postural things over time and in that practice we had massage therapists and physical therapists and nutritional courses and practices and so I was introduced at a really early age to this alternative way of healing most of the patients who came into our clinic were told back surgery was their only choice and we helped them heal and recover without any surgery or medications. And it was my first paradigm shift of seeing what people were told by the mainstream and what I was witnessing firsthand in my life. And so I was so young to be exposed to that. And I ended up working with them all through from eighth grade all the way until I went to college. And I did all sorts of different things, <laughs> working with the patients directly, working on admin, just learning everything about starting a practice being with people. And the, the thing I loved the most was hearing people's stories, sitting them, sitting with them and, and really understanding what got them there. And I love the physiology and the nutrition component. 
the physical medicine part was cool, but it wasn't as much of my passion as the physiology and kind of understanding the root cause and why. And so I knew I wanted to be a doctor of some capacity. And I ended up studying all the different types of schooling from medical doctors to DOs to NDs to nurse practitioners to chiropractors and all of the different routes. And I went and shadowed people and I studied the curriculum. And at the end of the day, my heart was really with naturopathic medicine. And then my own focus came out of my own healing journey, having all sorts of womanhood issues from hormonal imbalance and gut issues to painful periods and low libido and eventually infertility with my husband. And so a lot of the things that I focus on in my practice and in my programs came out of my own healing journey and the things that I really felt passionate about bringing to the space because I knew how little support there was for women in those seasons and in those areas of suffering. And so, yeah, it's as most healing journeys happen, things I, I went through myself and what guided my focus. That's awesome. Yes. Similar for me, I didn't start that young. <laughs> Wish I had. Uh, but I was, I had graduated college already. So I went to college and my major was biology and I knew I wanted to do something with helping people to heal and heal naturally. I knew I didn't want to be an MD, mm -hmm. but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my college was zero help at guiding me in any direction. And so I graduated and didn't know what I wanted to do. And then eventually I had had back pain my whole life mm -hmm. and like shocker, no one, no one ever recommended anything to me. Everyone was just like, oh, well, you know, it's totally normal for you to be 14 and have back pain. <laughs> so which it's not no. if you're listening to this. Not. Uh, so I eventually saw a, a physical therapist and then saw, I was recommended to a chiropractor who worked closely with the, the physical therapy office was actually in like a clinic, sort of like a regular clinic where my old MD used to be when I was young. And so I went to go see this chiropractor who was the first person, even though I had had x-rays of my spine done, was the first person to notice that I had spina bifida. Mm. And for those of you who don't know what spina bifida is, so spina bifida can be, there's two different types. There's occulta, mm -hmm. which is what I have, and there's manifesta, which is the one that you, if you know what spina bifida is, that's the one you probably think of, where the spinal cord comes out of the spinal column and basically babies don't survive. If you have occulta, your spine still is mostly formed, but there's still a break. There's a space in it. And that doesn't mean that anything comes out, but that break there can affect everything below and everything above mm -hmm. uh, in that it's no longer stable. And so Whoa. that was likely from birth. And then I had some other issues that are associated with that. Also, I did jump out a window once for no reason <laughs> when I was young. Because I remember, you guys ever see those stickers? Like you move into a new house and they have those stickers on the window and the window, uh, the stickers say, uh, like there's a picture of a firefighter mm. and it's like the kids' windows yeah. that they have them on. Uh -huh. Well, ours had those. And I was like, I wonder if there was a fire, if I could jump out the second story window. Oh God. And so I was probably <sighs> about 10, eight, eight or 10. And I, jump, and I jumped out. Oh yeah. My and my gosh. mom was like, here's a hot pack. Oh my like she gosh. didn't she didn't know, but I mean probably should have had me checked out. But subsequent issues, maybe based on the, the jump out the window, um, 
But then I knew I could jump out if there was a... Oh. Should I just gotten a fire ladder, Sarah? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But so had these back issues. And then uh, the chiropractor was the one that, that discovered some of this. And then that kind of led me down the road of, uh, what is this that this guy does? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I want to be in some kind of healing discipline, but not, n- not medicine. That's yeah. not healing to me. Mm-hmm. That's like last resort. Or I've been in some sort of accident. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will utilize that when necessary, but not first choice. And so I ended up going to see him and kind of like you, I didn't, I wasn't working there, but I was learning from him. Yeah. I ended up checking out his school and I ended up going to the school that my chiropractor went to. Aww. And I think that's the case for a lot of people mm-hmm. who uh, go into these types of professions and maybe lots of other professions too. You learn from somebody and you see the benefit of it in your own life or in a family member's life. And then you really want to get into that. So you also can help people in that way because you see, you know, how many people have came into my office or went into that office that other people told them they couldn't be helped yeah. or they had seen 15 medical doctors for their knee issue over the last 10 years. And everyone told them they'd never bend it past 30 degrees. Mm-hmm. And after three visits, they were bending it full range of motion with me because I listened to them mm-hmm. and I actually looked at their knee, mm-hmm. you know, like, they're just, they're, there's so much more to be done than what is done in these tiny little window of appointments yeah. with a medical doctor. And, you know, they could at least collaborate with us mm-hmm. a little bit better. You know, we can't all know everything. No. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> to then, to then say, I don't know about the stuff that Dr. Gordon knows about. Mm-hmm. Let's, I'm going to give you a referral to her because I think that that could be helped. Right. But, Sadly, that doesn't happen a lot. So how do people usually find you for these things? Yeah. That they're coming to I mean, that's a good question. Back, so I'm all virtual now. I used to have a physical practice in La Jolla in California. Um, And so when I had a physical practice, I had a lot of physical traffic through that practice, which was awesome. Um, But then when I became pregnant, well, when COVID happened, I decided to give up my physical space and go virtual. And I was going into IVF to become pregnant after a five and a half, almost six year infertility journey. And I didn't want to jeopardize the health of my baby and commuting from Encinitas to La Jolla, which is about a 45 minute commute in the car here in California, um, to go into an office when I felt like crap anyways (laughs) from my pregnancy. uh, I just decided to go virtual so I could you know, take the time I needed during my pregnancy and could be with my daughter and breastfeed her postpartum, which has been such a dream. And so now most people find me on social media, honestly, you know, Instagram, TikTok referrals still for sure. And I've actually uh, created Womanhood Wellness, which is a new online course program where I'm serving women um, in a lot of the different capacities that I do in practice so that more women can, can work with me in a virtual capacity you know, where it's maybe a little bit more challenging or more expensive to work with me one-on-one. So that's something I'm really excited and passionate about of packaging up kind of what I do with my patients so that other people can have access to that at a cheaper price. Awesome. That's smart. I think that that's a great way to make, like you said, more make things more accessible because though one-on-one work is a lot of times the best way to get your needs met, mm-hmm. sometimes it's not the most cost effective for people and to be able to have a lot of the stuff that you teach in one place where they can they can get to it 
and it's more cost effective, mm -hmm. you're going to impact so many more people that way. Yeah. Yeah. The impact, you know, you know now being an, a mom, there's only so many patients I can see in a week, you know, before I'm burned out and I have time that I want to be with my, with my daughter. And the type of work I do is very in-depth, very root cause, very comprehensive, which I love. And I refuse to compromise on that at all. And because of that, the nature of how many hours are in the week, there's only so many. And so I'm really excited to be able to support so many more women with Womanhood Wellness because, you know, I'm reaching women now in Connecticut and Texas and Florida and places that I, they would have never met me or had any access to these kind of things. And so it's really, it's, it's exciting. That's awesome. So how long ago, how old is your daughter now? She's 15 months. Oh, so she's a tiny thing. Yeah. So how was... How was that pregnancy? I just recorded and I think I just shared an episode where I talked to a woman who was, you know, similar to all of us, where she tries to do natural things first and lives a holistic kind of lifestyle and really did not want to have to do IVF mm -hmm. if she didn't have to do it. And after a really long time, it was what she decided she had to do. And so she decided to do IVF to get pregnant. And then she peaced out from the clinic and she had a home birth. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't know that that's an option mm -hmm. if that's what you want. And it is, it can be tricky to find someone who will attend you, mm -hmm. but that's, that's what she did. What was your pregnancy like? And what did you decide to do for your birth? Yeah. So I, we found out about my husband's lack of sperm when I was in naturopathic medical school during my sperm analysis class. We looked under the microscope at a sperm oh, sample. Wow. And so we wow. weren't even trying at that point. I just brought in a sample from my husband and I was making slides and there was no sperm and I was starting to panic. And at the end of that class, I mean, it was like honestly one of the worst days of my life. I had to tell my husband that night and break the news to him that he didn't have any sperm. Oh and God. it was like, a gut punch. You know, we met when I was 18. We'd been together for almost a decade. It, like the thought of us not being able to have children once I finished medical school wasn't even like on our radar. So that started our oh then five-year infertility journey of we actually started trying, but also trying to understand the root cause of why he didn't have sperm and what we were trying to do from a natural perspective, you know, because that's, that's my profession. That's literally what I do. <laughs> and, um, at the end of the day, we exhausted every single option and we figured out from a few genetic issues and anatomical issues and different things that we tried and a whole slew of stuff, which if you want to read my story, my infertility story is on my website and my Instagram. But uh, we didn't have any other option from an anatomical perspective. We had to do what's called testicular retrieval with ICSI, where they had to actually retrieve the sperm from his testicles because the vas deferens, where the sperm leave the testicles to come out into the penis, it was never going to like go through that properly. So it was really hard for me to accept that because I felt like I was playing God and that there was some, you know, maybe we weren't supposed to have kids if we couldn't get pregnant naturally, like all these stories that I told myself. And so it was a really, really hard journey for me. I had a lot of shame about having to do IVF because I was a naturopathic doctor and it took me a really long time to accept that. Right. And Finally, once we did accept it, we started to get ready to go into the clinic and that's when COVID hit. So there are even bigger, you know, universal messages where I was like, am I literally not meant to be a mom? Like, this is so unfair. Like, we can't just go to the woods and reproduce. Like, we can't just escape 
like the crazy world and go have a family. Like I have to be in the city with these doctors to have become a mother. And that was really scary. Like, what if they won't let us? What if, you know, COVID won't let me? It was just so scary. But eventually we were able to do IVF. And because we were so healthy in every other way, our outcome was really wonderful. I did it in a really natural way, as natural as I could, given my situation. Um, So then when I became pregnant, I was very excited, but I've learned a lot throughout this journey. And it's another thing I help women with of, I probably could have done a few things a little bit better in that um, my liver was probably a little stressed from the meds and things like that. And so my pregnancy was pretty rough. I was really sick. Um, Whether that would have happened with or without IVF is hard to know, but it was pretty rough. I was very sick, lots of vomiting, lots of illness. Um, And that was no fun because I wanted this baby so badly. And once I was pregnant, I was like, wow, this is really, really crappy. But um, I was also committed. (laughs) I know. I was committed to having a home birth. I didn't even think twice about it, you know, and I was like, my story is going to be the woman who had to go through IVF and have a home birth, just like your friend. Um, And so I had Morgan, Dr. Morgan, who I've started a podcast with. She was my doula. She came out here. Everything was great. My pregnancy was perfect. And my baby just was not coming. She was just not coming into the world. And we tried everything. And, you know, again, there's certain things I've learned that I probably wouldn't do again, but we, my body naturally went into labor at 39 weeks and five days. And I labored for about 32 hours at home, vomiting the entire time. So depleted, so exhausted. And at the end of those 32 hours, I was two centimeters dilated. And my midwife was basically like, you have a few hours left before I legally have to send you to the hospital. I think you just need to go now. In California, we can't go past 40 weeks or 42 weeks. I'm sorry. Oh, when I say 39, I I meant 41 weeks and five days. So at 42 weeks in California, I know my brain, mom brain, at 42 weeks, you cannot go have a home birth. So at 41 weeks and six days, I went to the hospital. Um, And it was like my worst nightmare, you know, unraveling in front of me. I didn't even read any of the birth prep for like hospitals at all. I didn't know anything, you know, because I was like, that's not going to be in my reality. (laughs) So I was like panicked Mm -hmm. on the way to the hospital being like, Morgan, how do I have an empowered like hospital birth? Like this is so scary. But I still didn't think it would end up in a C-section. And so, you know, they put me on an epidural. They induced me with every single way. They broke my water. Then they started me on Pitocin as it goes, you know, and. They cranked up my Pitocin. I was in labor for another 24 hours and I was like three centimeters still. So oh at that point, I was past the window of them breaking my water legally. I was past 42 weeks and they're like, you know, you can keep trying, <laughs> but you're so exhausted. I hadn't eaten in like three days. You know, it was just a big mess. So we decided consciously to have the C-section because I didn't. I had an intuition at that point. My doctor and my mother intuition said, for whatever reason, whatever series of events happened with the legal situation that we're up against, like, I think it's the safest thing is to have her join us in the world at this point. And so we had to have a C-section, but it wasn't an emergency and she wasn't having her life threatened at that point. And that was what I was trying to avoid. So at the end of the day, as crazy as it was, I didn't identify my birth as traumatic because I ultimately made the choice, but it definitely was not what I wanted and not what I planned for. Um, and so getting yeah. my baby 
in me and getting my baby out of me was very medicalized and not at all what I imagined as a little girl or as a woman or anything like that. But she's perfect and amazing and I love her so much. And so, you know, as funny as it is that I teach about all of the different practices outside of conventional medicine, in that regard, I am grateful for it. Well, there's, those things do have their place. And I think you really made a good point with saying, you know, you made the conscious choice to go have the surgery. And there is, you know, not being able to eat because you're throwing up for three days and being in labor for that long, that in itself and being completely exhausted and knowing that you still have really far to go. Mm-hmm. That in itself is a reason to choose that if you feel that that's right for you at that time. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, everything we talk about on here is from a place of you can choose whatever you want, but when you have the information behind it and you know what you're choosing, it's your choice. You weren't pushed into Mm -hmm. it by somebody else or scared into it by somebody else, then that's different. It might not go the way you want, Mm -hmm. but it's so much easier to process if you were the one deciding that thing as opposed to somebody else making it seem like it was an emergency. Right. Yes. You know, like my, I had a C-section too with my first and it was not what I expected at all either. And I had a lot of PTSD from it. Mm-hmm. I think partially because I felt like I was pushed into it right. and the choices weren't mine. And I was people pleasing the people mm-hmm. that were there. Like, what do I care about? Now I know. Right. Like, what do I care about? what's convenient for these people if it's going to be detrimental to me. But so many of us, you know, still do that. So I'm glad that you were able to take what you were feeling and all the information that you had and make a conscious choice and know that even though it wasn't what you hoped for, it was the best choice in the situation you were in Mm -hmm. so that you could, you know, come out of that situation and still you know, be kind of okay with the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, on, on their perspective, you know, my labor had started and stopped pretty severely. And so we actually thought I was going to deliver within the first 10 hours of my birth, the night that I went into labor. And I didn't know this at the time, but my midwife and my mother who raises animals, um, they were all very, very scared and concerned for me because they said that the way that my labor went in nature usually ends up in a very bad situation for mom and baby. They didn't tell me that, which was great, and I didn't know, and they really let me come to the conclusion on my own. And at the end of the day, who knows what would have happened? My midwife was pretty convinced after the fact that, like, something just wasn't right. Like, she just wasn't able to engage in the birth canal. Something just, you know, wasn't fitting. And so, you know, I think I did. I had a strong intuition, as weird as it was, that I had to move forward with a medical procedure, but intuitively felt right, which was shocking to me. But I went through the stages of grief very quickly because I spent so many years around my infertility grief, practicing and learning and going through that. I don't think if I had gone through infertility that I would have had a similar experience with my birth. I think it would have been very traumatic for me as well. But I that was one thing I noticed from my birth that I caught myself of like, oh, my gosh, Leah, you are moving through this so gracefully because it was like I had six years of training of accepting something I didn't want yep. and knowing that like it's going to be okay anyways but I don't think I would have been there without all of those years of therapy and release work and you know all the stuff that I did to get through our infertility journey so it is how it's interesting how birth can just 
be a highlight of where you are too in your own journey. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like too, it also, for me, it led me to my next step. Mm -hmm. So, and it allows me to empathize with women who, you know, a similar situation to mine has happened to. And so I'm sure a lot of your patients as well, if they've gone through anything similar, you truly actually understand it as opposed to somebody who just read it in a book. Right. And there's a real difference in a doctor who can really truly empathize with you and you can feel that Mm -hmm. or someone who's just placating you. Right. And so I think that probably makes you a better doctor too. Yeah. To, to the population that you work with. Yeah, I I agree. You know, it's even me, you know, when I hear certain people talk about, you know, how easy it is to get pregnant and just like, you know, have sex and eat, you know, watermelon and, you know, you just have your birth, you know, and it's like, I I know what you're saying. I, I get it. And you are like, you're making so many women feel like shit who can't get pregnant. It's not that easy for everybody. And you know, birth is similar in that like, you know, Morgan, my best friend, she's had three amazing home births. And I love that because on our podcast, we bring so many different pieces to the table. It was very easy for her to get pregnant. Her births, you know, were very beautiful home birth stuff. They had their own things with it. Um, And I bring the other side, you know, of like this more challenging side of things. But then like my postpartum was beautiful and wonderful. And I had hardly any issues, whereas, you know, she struggled with that. So on our podcast, even it's it's interesting how we have like the polar opposites of that. And I think we can speak to a wider audience of women who maybe don't feel like we don't really understand what they're going through because it was so easy for us or, you know, different things like that. So I do think it was all meant to be <laughs> some weird, crazy way. Yes. So you and Morgan just started your podcast recently, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are going to cover on it and what the name of it is so that people can find it. We'll talk about this more and put it in the show notes too, but yeah. So tell us a little bit about it. It's called Healthy as a Mother, and it's a podcast on becoming and being a mother. So I have my specialty, which is more on the becoming, the fertility, the hormone balancing, the preconception phase. And then Morgan's expertise is really from pregnancy, birth, and beyond. And so we cover everything from hormonal issues to birth control to fertility to infertility to pregnancy, um, birth, and then postpartum. And, you know, we just have a, (laughs) we have a wonderful, we talk about our our slogan is the real, the raw, and the untalked about. So we talk a lot about the broken system at large and all the different issues within that and how we can navigate through that with practical tips and practices, whether you're you know, trying to conceive or you're recently pregnant or your birth or going through postpartum and so and parenting, you know, to some degree, because it all kind of comes with it. So, yeah, it's it's very exciting. We we have a lot of fun. So I talked to Morgan as well. For those of you who don't know who Morgan is, <laughs> Dr. Morgan McDermott, she she is also a naturopathic physician and you guys were roommates mm-hmm. in school. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We met in undergrad. Yeah, she was in my wedding. She planned my bachelorette party. Then we went to Naturopathic Medical School together. We've been together for a long time, almost 10, 11 years now. It's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I started talking to her before I started talking to you Mm -hmm. and then found out that you guys were starting a podcast like right around the same time that we started this. Mm -hmm. 
And I just think it's it's great. You guys both share such amazing information on your pages and all the ways that you share and putting that all together in a place where women can listen, Mm -hmm. you know, even if they're doing dishes or, you know, doing something at the park with their kids. Having different avenues to get that information out there, I think, is super helpful. So I have not gotten a chance to listen yet, but it's on my to-do list. Yay. You guys put out five episodes, right, at once? Yeah, we had to launch a few up You just front. were like, just doing it. Yeah, we've actually <laughs> recorded the whole first season uh, because we wanted to be together when we did it. And oh, so wow. Morgan lives in Idaho and I live in California. She used to live here, but it's so sad we don't live together. So she has flown out twice to, and we've like done the podcast prep for season one together and it's a great excuse for us to see each other. So um, yeah, we have a lot planned and prepped and it's exciting we just yeah we love it that's awesome that's smart yeah emily and i just haven't actually met <laughs> yeah we've never met in no, real life not in real life oh, well and and apparently i am like the shortest shortest person in the world and emily's like the tallest person in the i world. love so it when we finally actually do meet our first picture in person that's amazing yeah, we're gonna be like the giant and the child <laughs> Yeah, I have a question about I have a question about your practice. This is always something I'm so curious about because it's different for every woman, I'm sure. But in your practice, what is okay, when you get to the root of unexplained infertility, Mm -hmm. hopefully you get to the root of unexplained infertility with most of your clients, patients. Um, is there one thing that stands out to you? Or like is there like a I'm going to check for this, this, and this first. I mean, I have a pretty thorough path of how I kind of do all the check marks because it can be different for each person. But I would say if I had to, if I had to boil it down to be like, okay, if you had to pick one thing that was very common among people, it's an answer no one likes hearing because it's so arbitrary, but it's, it's stress. And when I say stress, stress can come in lots of different packages and then there's like roots to the roots to the root um which can be frustrating you know some people will be like oh I have low testosterone that's why I have an issue or I have you know low progesterone and that's why I keep having miscarriages which is great it's like okay that's the root cause of your miscarriage but then what's the root cause of your low progesterone and so then it's like, okay, it's a chronic infection or it's inflammation or it's, it's stress from, you know, stress can come from physical things like having a microbiome imbalance or having a toxic overload in your system. Um, but stress can also come from us overworking in general, especially in, in California. When I saw mostly California people, I see people all over the country now, but in general, I would say women are overworked, undernourished, underslept overwhelmed and overstimulated and that does certain things to our nervous system that then impact our hormones that impact us not only on a physical level but on like a spiritual and emotional level where the body's just like you are not fit to become pregnant and I think there's physical blockages and energetic blockages to it because of that so what I teach a lot of my patients is how do we get you to live in a place where your battery is full where you have extra charge to give to another 
if you're barely surviving and your battery's in the red all the time, which is how most people live, I would say, and what my experience of that, you're not only not going to be healthy, there's zero chance that your body's going to want to give to some other, you know, being. So we have to learn how to live in a state of surplus and excess. And that is just, and when I say surplus and excess, I mean of, of like health. (laughs) So, you know, optimal nourishment, optimal nutrients, optimal sleep, um, like tons of downtime, living slower, doing less, um, to give the signal to our body that you are in a safe place, that you are in a nourished place and that you can give to another. And unfortunately to get there requires a lot of shifts and changes to people's life. So that's why going to a conventional fertility clinic where they're just trying to pump you through full of Clomid or Letrozole isn't going to end up in a pregnancy because you're, you're throwing a, a, a firecracker in the middle of an already stressed out system and expecting it to just roll over and behave, you know, and it just doesn't work like that. Fertility is very delicate. It's like a flower. It's like you're, you're watching a, a seed try to grow and bloom into a flower, but we'd like suffocate it and like hold it really tightly with our hands and we're crushing it. And we're like, why aren't you blooming? And it just doesn't work like that. You have to like step back and nourish. Yeah. You have to step back and nourish the soil and like give it its space. You can't suffocate the flower. And I would say a lot of us are suffocating our flowers. That should be the video, Sarah, (laughs) for Instagram. I feel that so much because when I teach my birth education classes, I try to really I teach like my third class is like a science lesson on the vagus nerve and polyvagal theory because mm-hmm. this is like a lot of what we learned within BirthFit. And um, I'm like, listen, your nervous system is literally everything. Mm-hmm. And like, I annoy myself by how often I say that. I'm like, everyone knows this. But no, not everyone knows this. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy that. We live in such a go, go, go society. You just think your body's going to go, go, go. Because mm-hmm. I wake up and I get out of bed and I do the thing and I go to the gym and I work miles and then I eat and I go to work and I do it. So, yeah, my body works. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, your body is like on just like ten, you're, you're running on fumes. Mm-hmm. And um, the modern woman is very uncomfortable slowing down. Mm hmm. And tapping into the feminine, tapping into the nervous system and tapping into um, stepping, I mean, and not even tapping into and stepping out of the like grind. Because mm-hmm. we were told, at least all of us millennials, um, that you just have to power through and prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you don't get pregnant. And that's just like the ultimate ego blow. Yeah. So you have to like undo learn so much of that societal programming and be Mm -hmm. like oh shit yeah something's not right yeah and um i love how you describe that is such an important factor that i mean especially western medicine just like epically failed on 24 7 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and like oh a lot yeah when it comes to life yeah. Leah, before you went to IVF, mm-hmm. did you 
do any other kinds of fertility treatments prior to that? So our situation was unique because my it was mostly male factor and we did a thousand things <laughs> to try to fix his sperm. Um, you know, IUI was never a candidate. We were never candidates for something like IUI because his sperm was the issue from the beginning. And there wasn't any coming out of his ejaculate. And I have normal on-time regular cycles, so there really wasn't anything majorly wrong with me. I definitely have more of an estrogen-dominant type of pattern, and so I had um, polyps. I have fibroids, but they wouldn't have affected my fertility. I had a polyp. That was the only thing that I had to kind of, you know, work on for my side of the fertility space. But my husband, I mean, we did everything from, went to tons and tons of different functional medicine and naturopathic doctors, chiropractors, acupuncturists. We did an intensive IV chelation of his heavy metals. We did varicocele surgery because he had bilateral varicoceles. That made it worse. Um, we did spiritual healers. We did, you know, ayahuasca. We did, I mean, like any anything that you could probably imagine, we did. Um, okay. Yeah. So our journey was so, you know, because I was so determined to get to the root cause because in my mind, I was like, okay, well, if you aren't making sperm, then there's something really wrong that's not even just affecting your fertility. It could be affecting your health in general. You know, that's when we found a lot of his heavy metals and other okay. toxins. And so I'm so grateful that we did all of that chelation and all of that work. For anyone who doesn't know, chelation is where you get the metals and, and toxins out of your body. And so I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, maybe his infertility was a blessing because if we hadn't done those things, he wouldn't be where we are today um, and he wouldn't be as healthy as he is. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was still an anatomical thing that we couldn't work around. And I didn't even know how it was mostly anatomical until the very end when we did IVF because the fertility support world is just really frustrating and people, they don't care to understand the root cause, even in the conventional space. And that was really frustrating to me because I didn't want to just do IVF with a crappy sperm. You know, I wasn't just going to take one of my husband's dead limp sperm and inject it in my egg and be like, this is great. I refuse to do that. So I was like, we have to find out what is going on because I'm not going to bring this unhealthy, you know, DNA forward into the world. Like, it's just not meant to be that. And so I had a lot of my own like spiritual journey too of understanding and my husband had visions and we we did a lot of different things spiritually to kind of understand like this is all meant to be. It was our path and that we need to move forward with it in this way. And it's been such a blessing. And so our story is just so weird and unique. But um, yeah, we did a lot of different stuff. Uh, me in particular, you know, I'm always working on my health. But yeah, it was we didn't do like letrozole or anything. I did a, as little medication stimulation with IVF as possible. I did something called mini IVF and that was the only meds I ever took. Um, was Amazing. that one time? Yeah. I had this woman reach out to me on Instagram and she was like, oh, I'm so upset. I ha I think I posted about birth control. She's like, I'm so upset. I have to do birth control for IVF. I said, well, you don't have to. I don't know why you are, but like I know a number of people who have done IVF without birth control. She's like, oh, my God, wait, I have my appointment tomorrow. I'm going to ask. And she messaged me that evening. She's like, they said I can do it without birth control. I was like, dude, like, no. you gotta just ask questions, you know, like, mm -hmm. especially if it's male factor. And you can be as mentally invasive as possible. And yeah. it's so I think women need to hear that. 
even if it is female factor, you can still advocate for yourself and ask yeah. like, hey, birth control like makes me psychotic. How do mm-hmm. I not do that? Yeah. You know, and just ask or just be like terrible for you. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I did cool. that. I did not take birth control. I think a lot of women don't know that there are options still. If you get to the point where you're utilizing IVF, that it doesn't have to be exactly the same for everybody. Right. Or that you got pregnant that way and then your prenatal care and birth can be different than your conception. I think they are told by the people who are helping them to get pregnant that this is the way it is. This is what we do. Mm -hmm. And unless you're told by someone outside, like someone on Instagram, like (laughs) Emily, that there is another option, then you might not have any idea. And that's that's really sad to me. That's one of the other things that's kind of a constant, on constant repeat on this podcast is that you deserve individualized care. Mm-hmm. And so much of the care, let's put that in air quotes, mm-hmm. is not individualized to the person that's in front of them. Right. It's just standardized. And that's not what's best for everybody. Right. Yeah, no, I, I'm an advocate for that all the time. And you, you know, a lot of times the birth control is used to just get you on the doctor's schedule, which it's like, I get it. I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a mom. It's like, you don't want to have to go in on a Sunday to do an egg retrieval for a woman. But at the end of the day, it's also like your body. And it just, you know, I chose to work with doctors who respected the natural cycle of a woman, even through IVF. And so I did mini IVF without birth control. And I did a natural transfer of the, of my baby's embryo. Um, And I just don't think women even know that's a choice. And it isn't for every woman. Like if you have zero eggs and very little, you know, uterine lining and all of these different things, like it might be more challenging for you. But for someone, especially yeah, male factor or someone who maybe has a blocked tube and they don't have anything wrong with their estrogen production, these kind of things, um, you can do it such a different way. That's so cool. Yeah, I know someone who is doing IVF without birth control and she had to go in on Christmas Day. Yeah. They were like, come on in. Yep. And I was like, well, good. they better be in if they're going to do this your way. It was, I, I thought that was really, I thought that was really wonderful that mm-hmm. they were just, yeah, we're open on Christmas. Come on in. Yeah. That's great. Cause that's not common. No. Right. All. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Normally people do not want to work on that day. I know. They had like three appointments days. or whatever, put everyone together. Who knows? But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I'll say as someone who I went through IUI twice and went through all the testing because I had unexplained infertility, mm-hmm. which let's just be honest, it's go- it's garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically we've done our, our, our standard of tests. We don't know what's going on because we don't have all the information yeah. and we don't care. So we're just going to give you this label and say adios. Mm-hmm. You're going over to the IVF clinic now. Yep. Instead of saying, you know, maybe there's some other factors going on here that we don't know about Mm -hmm. so like I think for me even they didn't even they didn't even do any kind of analysis on my husband's sperm at all I know it's so crazy prior to saying that there was something wrong with me even though they couldn't find anything wrong with me and his sperm were fine I think because we did when we did IUI and I brought the sample in before I was inseminated the nurse who was doing the insemination with me she actually put a sample of the sperm on the microscope and showed me. And he mm-hmm. had a ton mm-hmm. and they were all really modal. So it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. But like, 
shouldn't you check them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because what if it's not, what if the issue, and I'm going through all these tests, and it's not even me, mm-hmm. you know? I know I had a, um, what's that test? Uh, the H. The HSG. Mm-hmm. What is that test? Hysterosalpingiogram. HSG, yes. 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 I forgot the name of it. It's been so long. But I had one of those done. Basically, what it is, is it's a scan where they put a dye mm-hmm. up inside of your uterus and into your fallopian tubes to see if you do have a blockage or there's some kind of an issue. And there was nothing mm-hmm. in mine and everything was fine and it didn't hurt or bother me at all. I had a friend who did the same test and she said it was excruciating mm. for her. So maybe something they should warn you about. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, what if I didn't have to go through it because it did have something to do with my husband's sperm, say, which it does for some people, you know, maybe test that too. Yeah. Like there's just so much left out. Oh, yeah. That is so sad. They never addressed any of the stuff that you just said with regard to the, basically the number one reason that people are in this spot, mm-hmm. if you could say a number one reason, with all the stress mm-hmm. and all the issues that they don't even know that they're dealing with, that they really need to work on. That's just crickets, mm-hmm. you know, in the conventional system. So I'm glad that the people who are finding you are finding you. And I really hope that in the future, more people who are in this situation, even if they just hear something small, like this woman that talked to Emily about birth control and IVF, Mm -hmm. that can plant a seed in your brain Mm -hmm. for a flower that you do not crush (laughs) of your fertility so that you can, you can take that seed and be like, wait a minute. Maybe there's more to this than I thought. Maybe these people don't know everything just because they have a white coat. Like, Mm -hmm. guys, any of you who are listening to this, you can go buy yourself a white coat on Amazon. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you smart. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can go through all of medical school or all of chiropractic school or all of naturopathic school and not be, you can still not be smart. Mm -hmm. You can go through school and not be good at thinking. Right. But good at taking tests and passing things. And not be good with people, Mm -hmm. you know? And so they aren't necessarily the only person out there who can give you answers. So always look outside of that box because you never know what else is out there that could really help you. Right. Any last things that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Oh, goodness. Um, I would say just wherever you are along your womanhood journey, you know, Do the things you can to come back to yourself, to trust yourself, to give your body the space that it needs to to flourish. You know, remind, remember that flower analogy of, you know, what can you do to nourish your soil and give it the sunshine and the rest and the space that it needs? Because whether you want to have a baby or not, your fertility is your optimal health. And the more that you can, you know, step back and Mm -hmm. kind of give your body that space, you are going to have a much better experience of womanhood, whether fertility is on your heart or not. And so that's just what I want to leave people with to, to walk through your day thinking, am I crushing my flower or am I giving it space to, to thrive? <laughs> I love it. So if people want to find you, where can they, where can they find you? Where can they find your podcast? Where can they find your, all of your things? Yeah, all my things. So if you want to follow me on socials, I'm Dr. Leah Gordon, D-R-L-E-A-H Gordon, um, on TikTok and Instagram, and maybe one day on YouTube. And then womanhoodwellness.com is my website. You can check out my courses there. I have a hormone and fertility type quiz that is going to be launching there soon. So you can find out your hormone and fertility type. 
And then as far as my podcast, uh, healthyasamother.com, or you can listen wherever you listen to your podcast to Healthy as a Mother. All right. Awesome. I love it. We'll link to all those things in the show notes too. So you guys can just click on them and you don't have to try to figure out how to type it all in. <laughs> and thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. Uh, you have, I'm sure, taught a lot of people a lot in just this short period of time and probably expand a lot of people's minds in the sense that, you know, if they're going through something fertility related, maybe they'll think a little bit more outside the box and realize that a diagnosis of something like unexplained infertility isn't the end. Right. That it doesn't mean that you have to go straight to IVF, that there's a lot that you can do and look into prior to taking that road. And even if you do, you know, there's a lot that you can do to support yourself during that time mm -hmm. that you're not going to be told. So yeah. I think people are going to leave this, listening to this, feeling a lot more empowered yeah. about those topics. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So nice to have you. This is awesome. <laughs> Thanks. All right. We will see you all next week. Bye.
Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Birth Uprising podcast. Together, we can create an uprising in the birth world. Don't forget to share and subscribe so you can be notified every time a new episode is released.